Welcome everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. With me are Roy Coleman from Awakening, Steve Fierro from Asia right now, and I have Hartmut Schumacher, going your own natural path from Germany. And we are most happy and privileged and excited to have a retired Ontario Provincial Police Officer, Vincent Gerses. Welcome for being with us and thank you for being our guest. I know you are a busy retired police officer. And thank Vincent, you for having me here. Yeah. Instead of me, instead of me introducing you, how about uh, telling us a story of how you became a police officer and your highlight of your experiences? Because I know most of us could have been someone else or taken a different course in our job, and but you decided to be a police officer. That's correct. Initially, uh, be becoming a police officer for a career was not my choice. Um, I wasn't looking for a career path. I was looking for a destination of who I wanted to be, who I wanted to become as a person. Uh, and that sort of directed me to the type of employment or a career path in, in what I should take to become the type of person that I want to be. And that's what led me into policing is the decision. It was more about who I wanted to become rather than what I wanted to do. And then sometime last year, when the so-called pandemic happened, you were quoted in the Vaccine Choice Canada newsletter. And I'd like to read that because it's really good on what you said. As you said, I believe there is a duty incumbent on our police services to understand the moral principles in play and to provide the moral courage to keep that fabric of our society from tearing itself apart. And this can only happen if the moral compass is calibrated. Therein lies the problem, the moral compass. So I would ask each and every officer who has taken the oath to ensure that they check their moral compass, because that is what's going on to take us to get through this, the moral courage and your compass is not calibrated, we are in big trouble. So I guess with this quote that you said, I wanted to ask you, how does a police officer right now who is still in active duty, and um, how can they manage on serving the people, serving every man and woman, but at the same time, be true to their oath or be true to themselves? Okay, that's a very, very good question. And that question doesn't just apply to police officers. That question applies to each and every one of us in society. And I would say that uh, our moral compass calibration comes from information, whether we seek out information or information that we come across in our daily lives. And right now, I find that with our mainstream media, there is no doubt that across the globe, especially in Western nations, across the Commonwealth and the United States as well, that it appears that our media's 
are extremely biased and mainstream media is essentially a propagandized machine uh, working on behalf of corporate interests rather than the interests of the public. And I don't believe that the independence or the goodwill doing for the benefit of the citizens within a country are there any longer. So information provided by media is so critical to us making our decisions, making determinations in what is wrong, what is right, and the course of actions being taken uh, by information that comes to us. So because of the uh, propagandization of media and the extreme bias and censorship of media, I have to say that if we can't trust the news, then we can't agree on the facts that lead to a discussion on what is right or wrong, not lawful or unlawful, but right or wrong. And then we lose our democracy as a government controlled by the people and we become people controlled by the government. So this information issue is paramount and uh, on many of my speaking engagements, I, I am very critical of the media and I say that straightforward, that they appear to be our greatest enemy at this time. This is disinformation and censorship. And amongst your peers right now, you, you know, are you making making um, progress in, you know, helping them understand that they that there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation? What do you see the progress of what you've been doing from last year to now? Uh, well, I would say progress on my part isn't really the mission. I, as one individual, I'm not going to be uh, cracking through into the database of people's minds and convincing them that uh, what a, quite a few people are doing is wrong. But I am tapping into the those individuals that are making contact with me and at least being able to get an idea of uh, a sort of a pulse of what is going on within these organizations in terms of how many individuals understand what is going on, how many individuals are looking at the data from multiple sources, how many individuals are, are really doing their homework to really understand the complexities of these issues, and how many individuals are just buying the propaganda being fed by mainstream media and taking the more uh, aggressive course of action. And it seems that um, more and more people are waking up to the realities of the issues at hand and how the, um, the COVID narrative issue is really acting as a, um, as a Trojan horse for uh, political means for many governments to usher in a different agenda. But that being said, um, I like to look at this issue and, and assess this in contacting my peers and understanding what they're going through as a, um, I don't like to use the term COVID. I say, let's pretend COVID never existed. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist right now and we're not dealing with that issue. Let's just look at this as a big experiment and say, let's assess uh, our police officers, let's assess our doctors and all our healthcare professionals and say, as a, integrity test, if you will, a global integrity test. How many people across the, the planet are passing the test and how many people are failing the test? And it's, it's terrible. 
it's, it's terrible. We would have never thought this many professionals and intelligent individuals across the world would be failing this test. And I say intelligent people because um, I, I consider this uh, an assessment of data that has got us into this trouble. You're either going to listen to what you're told on a television screen or you're going to look at data, assess the data, and make your own decisions and think constructively. And many, many people have lost that ability and just do as they're told. Vincent, were you surprised at all on how this is happening, especially the response of, you know, each country, particularly Canada? I remember, remember before last year, Americans would say, let's move to Canada. And then the Canadians would really be happy as Canadians. But now it seems like, no, we're not moving to Canada. I think they're in a worse condition. Were you surprised at all? Absolutely. I, I don't know anybody that wasn't surprised by the overall integrity test across the planet and how Canada's doing as poorly as it is. Uh, I see this more at this point as, a, as an attack across the Commonwealth countries, essentially. Um, when I look at the statistics across the African nations and other countries, I see even on vaccination rates, the numbers are very low. Um, and that tells me something. A lot of the data is telling me something. The, the whole push for um, media display of the fear uh, isn't happening in a lot of the smaller countries across the world. Uh, and for, um, for, uh, for political reasons and, and for um, subversive necessity, I would say it appears that it's the Western nations that are all being uh, hyped on the fear and hyped on the aggressiveness of this campaign. Thank you so much. I, I'll pass it on to Roy, because I'm sure Roy has a lot of questions. Hi, Vincent. Just uh, how are your other fellow officers about you coming out kind of being vocal? Are you being attacked or are they on your side? Um, that's a very good question. So I do have a number of uh, police officers that reach out to me on a regular basis indicating agreement. And I can see agreement from many officers out there. I can see that many officers uh, don't want to be enforcing these laws. Many officers don't agree with these laws. And there are many, many very, very good officers out there that are adhering to their oath. They don't need to be told or they don't need a, a Supreme Court decision to tell them that their oath and the Police Services Act and our Charter of Rights uh, is the right way to go compared to a medical mandate put out by somebody that was never elected to make this decision um, or not somebody that we certainly elected into our political sphere. So we, we do have a lot of support in the police community. But then again, we do have a number of individuals uh, that uh, are, are uh, buying into this narrative and have lost touch with the uh, real core functions, the foundational issues of policing and the importance of those foundational issues. Here in Canada, with the Canadian Constitution, and I believe all of our um, Commonwealth countries have a form of a constitution and, uh, and uh, rights laws, uh, with, with those laws being um, desecrated as much as they are on religious issues, gathering issues, um, censor, censorship issues, 
um, things things are continuing to slide in a very very poor direction even as uh, some of these lockdowns have been lifted recently in Canada and we just recently within the last two days we've had a member of a political party arrested in one of our provinces simply for speaking out and attending at a uh, uh, at a um, discussion rally a political rally he was arrested and then kicked out of that province so uh, what's happening here is very frightening very frightening and most people aren't aware as I said, we do have support of many officers, and there are many, many very good officers, but there are some who have really um, uh, failed, failed this integrity test. I, um, I remember I'm in Poland. I'm Irish, but I'm living in Poland. And about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, my car was broken into, and I called the police and they said wait and I was waiting for hours and hours and then they told me bring the car to the police station which I did and then they said you've moved it so we can't do nothing and basically I remember at the time thinking you've got plenty of people all over giving fines for speeding you've got they even do like jaywalking in Poland we don't have that in Ireland plenty of police you know patrolling the streets the main streets to give jaywalking but for real crimes and I think that seems to be similar all over the world. It wasn't like that years ago. Like, that must be frustrating for you for to see the way it's basically a money organization now. Yeah, I can tell you uh, over the entire course of my career in 32 years of policing, um, the, the policing of the police was a very strong thing that has always been around in the course of my engagement in in my profession and uh, it was so fundamentally important that we make the right decisions and that we are servants of the public and that we serve well because if and when we don't when we are uh, intentionally or through accident make errors that are embarrassments to our organization Number one, our organization does not tolerate that type of behavior. And secondly, uh, neither do the members or did the members uh, within the organization as it breaches trust of the public. Hello. And we've become extremely aware yeah, that once I, 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 you breach trust with the public, it is Yeah, I, I pause there. I don't know. Did it pause for everybody or just on my side? Yeah, it paused here as well. I think we're okay. good now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, next thing I'd like to know is, have you looked into common law? Because I'm researching a lot of that. We've even had um, uh, Christopher James on a few times, but I've read a few books and it appears that we're all under admiral law and like we're trying to make change in the world. And it looks like the whole thing is a lie. Have you gone down that rabbit hole? I have. You know, I've spent uh, I've spent a, a fair amount of time with Christopher James discussing the issue of common law, and it is not something that I feel, at least at this time during this uh, these multiple issues that we're dealing with right now, I do not believe that is a correct course of action to take to try to remedy these issues. Um, we do have legal systems within our nations. 
I believe those legal systems, you know, given the age of your nation, the legal system has has morphed over the years into what it currently is. And I believe that our legal systems are fundamentally very, very good in Western society. We have rights, we have uh, a very effective legal system. The problem that I see is that it is being ignored. Our rights are being ignored. The, the legal system seems to be completely subverted, essentially hijacked. And those in power uh, in our nations, whether it's uh, provincially or federally, uh, are just doing whatever it is they want to do, how they, however they want to do it, and they are usurping the entire system. And this is what needs to change. We, we need significant change in our, not only in our leadership, but in the sort of the keys, if you will, in, in, that have unlocked the integrity of our legal system. It's been subverted. And we need to get that back. We need to get back on track. Uh, essentially, it's our, it's our government that is acting as an enemy of the people, against the people. And um, we don't really have anything in place that I'm aware of that can correct this course of action. Um, I, while I was doing some research, was it your parents that came from Eastern Europe or your grandparents, your parents, was it? Yeah, grandparents and parents came from Eastern Europe and some grandparents had to stay behind at the end of the war as my parents were fleeing. Uh, they came from Lithuania and um, experienced the wrath of the Communist Party that had taken over that country and had exterminated much of the population. So, I mean, like, obviously you would have heard the stories of what it was like in that tyranny, which seems to be like what they're bringing in here. You know, they tried to escape that, went to Canada, which I, I've heard you saying it was the best country that they picked until recently. I mean, I, I always thought that Canada was one of the better countries until, you know, it done a complete flip in the last uh, 16 months. Yeah, that's correct. I think uh, we, we all talk about um, our rights, but people, uh, I mean... Uh, whether it's your, whether we're talking about rights or whether it's a friendship or whether it's a relationship or whether it's your favorite guitar, it doesn't matter. You don't really, really fully appreciate it until you lose it. And as we're starting to lose our rights very quickly, that's when you realize how significant they are, how much you appreciate them, how much you want them back, how hard it is to get them back and the blood and lives that have been spent in maintaining our freedoms uh, for the citizens of this country that we have all taken for granted, at least my generation had, because we didn't have to shed lives and blood for th these freedoms that our governments are now arbitrarily snapping their fingers and very quickly having these rights taken away from us. Great. All right. Thank you very much, Vincent. I'll pass you on to uh, Hartman. Thank you, Vincent. Uh, it's a real pleasure to hear to to have you here on the show. And um, as you said uh, in the beginning, that uh, the mainstream media are the enemy of the society. I want to um, I want to recommend everyone who is listening right now to organize himself the uh, the Amnesty International report from 1974 um, about torture. And interesting is that uh, this. In this inter in Amnesty International report, they uh, examine the situation of the Greek 
military dictatorship from 1967 to 1974. And the interesting thing is that this dictatorship was ended by the mainstream media was faster with the truth on, uh, in the country than uh, the propaganda. And um, the conclusion was that without these mainstream media, uh, there would have never been a change in the military dictatorship in Greece because, because of the bad reputation, because of the bad image what was told by the truth, uh, the European Union was not able to, to uh, see Greece as a partner for the European Union, so they, have to so they had to change it. And um, as you said, the, the legal system is uh, hijacked. Yeah, the mainstream media are hijacked. So we have no real force which can reach the main people around. So what is your vision of the real situation? How do you see this situation at the moment for the people, for example, we are we are awakened the people are uh, many people are awakened but there are many people who are not awakened and so there's a, there is a real gap and also um, let's say a situation for danger and as a police officer i would like to uh, i would like to ask an ex police officer how do you see the situation from from the countryside from the population side from the society side Vincent, did you? Well, Hello? I see the greatest threat. Yes, I see the greatest. I see the greatest threat coming to us right now in Canada. Is what was just introduced a very short time ago it was a bill in federal government called Bill C-10, and Bill C-10 is going to essentially create the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, we're going to have the Ministry of Truth. We are going to have online censorship where the, if anything goes against the government's uh, issued or considered um, utopian narrative that the government is putting out, then it will be censored. And most people in Canada haven't a clue because the package is being sold as an anti-pedophile, anti-violence, anti-Islamophobia. It's being wrapped up in a certain package. But the total content of what you will get is your personal postings uh, on your book page will be at the behest of the government. If they don't posting, they will you that they'll have removed or have the service provider remove it. So we have a we have a very short window of opportunity. Currently, we can look at other information. We can we can put out. Um, information that goes against the main narrative and we can present factual data and and show source to data but um, that has already been been eliminated quite a bit in the last year anytime some doctors or scientists would come forward with information that is peer-reviewed scientific information that is contrary to the narrative that information will be scrubbed very quickly and by the time your friends are trying to open the link to look at it it's already pulled off the internet so that that's already become a problem where it's very hard to direct people to 
um, an opposing viewpoint on an issue such as vaccination or the COVID issue or where this uh, can be leading or the efficacy of masks or what case counts mean or what PCR tests are or all the information about that. It's getting harder and harder to find that information. So with Bill C-10 coming forward, I have no way uh, to understand how we would then be able to capture this narrative uh, back and at least have the option of presenting factual data. Uh, because once the government doesn't approve of it, um, you can see where this is going. And I think we all know that this is going in a very, very bad place. Yes, thank you. And um, in, the interesting thing concerning the police is that the police mirrors the, the same situation or the same characters like the society. There are, let's say, 10, 15% who are awakened and 85%, I think, maybe not. Yeah. For example, this was only as a figure, as an example. But And, and the problem is that, um, on the one hand, many... Um, the, maybe the society sees them as the perpetrators, perpetrators, but on the other side, they are also a victim of, an, of a psychological warfare. Because um, if, uh, let's say it this way, if someone is, um, is giving an oath, he has his integrity and he has his, his personal awareness and his free will to decide what is right and what is wrong. Also by learning the law, but he has his own he has his own will to to decide. Okay, what is the best what is the best solution in this situation? So by only giving tickets, um, the people the policemen get demoralized. Uh, loud, uh, according to Eurobetsmenov, Steve. I'm so thank you for this name, <laughs> and um, and the problem is that by this demoralization, by this conflict of what is right, what is wrong, but I have to do the order, the people, the police people, policemen get in stress the whole time, and after one year of this kind of stress, the will, the free will is broken. And then there is the possibility that people can only uh, follow orders. And this is the way how it did how uh, China and North Korea did it in ninety in the nineteen fifties in order to transform a society from a free a free society in a communist system. Yeah. Do you have a comment on that concerning Canada? Well, everything you said is absolutely true. I've been talking on those exact same points uh, in the same nature as you have just brought up ex exactly true um, i will say that i find that we have two different types of individuals within our society um, and the most common is that um, we all as humans want to be liked we want to be accepted uh, we don't want to be banished um, we want to maintain within our groups and we want to maintain our relationships with those around us but generally speaking, we are very concerned, and we should not be, but we are, as humans, we are very concerned about how we are perceived. And we want people to like us, and we want to maintain these relationships and friendships. So this very powerful draw 
in wanting to be liked and wanting to go with the flow and not wanting to make waves, it can overpower you and say, I'll just keep my mouth shut because I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the distant voice of reason when nobody's going to believe me anyways. So I'll just shut up and I'll just go along with it. And that is very easy. It's an easy thing to do and you won't lose friends. You won't lose family. You will be liked by everybody around you. But the other type of individual says, I have a belief system. I've done my homework. I'm looking at data. Um, I'm not going to be fooled by uh, what I see on a screen, the information on a screen that is telling me something. I see the data. I've done my research and I know, uh, and in my case, I, I have been a forensic investigator for a number of years, so I relied on data to support uh, the hypothesis of the calculations and the science of what I'm trying to present in a courtroom. And it was always accepted in a courtroom. When you can show the supporting data, then the information flows and there's nothing counter to that because it's, it's facts, it's factual measurements and factual data. So when you know the truth and you say, I'm not going to be silenced by the truth. And if it means giving up this relationship, if it means making a wave, if it means being rejected, that's okay. I'll take the rejection because I know inside my core, uh, I know no. right. um, I double checked, triple checked, and, and I would ask anybody to debate me on this issue and, and feel free to prove me wrong because I will be open to dialogue and I will listen to what you have to say. And nobody wants to debate you, nobody wants to discuss facts or, or that information. So some of us, a very small percentage, probably everybody that is here on this screen now, says it's more important to me to stick to what is in my heart that I know is right, even if it means losing a relationship, even if it means being mocked, um, you know, let's, let's talk about it, let's discuss it, let's have an open discussion. And you won't, you can't. They, they will not discuss it. And that's the problem with our media and our mainstream media. You won't see discussion, you won't see debate. You won't see facts. You'll just hear of something called science and their version of science is bought and paid for and is biased. And there are um, the individuals presenting the information. They're, they're all um, colluding or have, um, have conflicts of interest within that information that they're presenting. So find somebody who does not have a conflict of information uh, or conflict of interest and people who are coming forward, professionals who are coming forward with data, doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals, scientists, and they're all being demonized and there is no discussion allowed. Yes, I 100% agree. It's, in, it's the same here in Germany. What, what is going to happen in Germany is it's the same. In Germany, uh, in Europe, Germany is the leading nation also concerning the measurements and all that stuff. And um, yeah, in, in Canada, and what I have uh, one question: If you, as an ex-police officer, I, maybe you have also access to good information uh, today. 
Um, because from the from from the point of view, we see that the Chinese uh, that the Chinese model of a society uh, will take over Canada. Did you get any information uh, in your in your departments that you have that that can um, prove this kind of thing that the Chinese are more and more um, yeah let's say take over Canada? Is that is that correct or is it uh, is it uh, a lie? Well, Canada has always, especially with liberal governments, we have always been moving in a direction steadily into a socialist um, government. We we do have socialist programs. We have free healthcare, which, by the way, I, I need to correct that. When I say free, anything that's free is not free. There's no such thing as free anything. Somebody is paying for it. The citizens are paying for it. It's just the redistribution of wealth to pay for those programs. And in some countries, you're going to pay 40 or 50 percent of your income is going to go to taxation to pay for these social assistance programs. And in other countries, it's going to go as high as 70, 73, 74 percent. So um, Canada has always been moving in that direction. Expenditures in our country recently have gone through the roof for social programs. Um, the uh, academia has been moving in a very liberal socialist direction for years and uh, it's very accelerated now in the last year. Uh, hiring practices within organizations, I mean I can tell you in policing especially now as well, um, there is this inclus inclusivity that is paramount within the hiring practices that uh, right now we need more of these people. So those are the people we're going to hire. And in three months or six months, we are now going to have to hire more of those people, whether it's your color, whether it's your language, whether it's whatever it is, it will be a targeted group to say we need more of that. That's what we need to structure this. Now, I don't know about you, but whether it's a police officer doing their work or it's a doctor who's going to operate on your brain, I think you would like to know that the person who is attending to your requirements is the person who is the best one for the job, the best suited, and has that position because they did they did very well, not because of the color of their skin or because of their religious beliefs or their political beliefs, but because they got the highest marks and uh, you know the best of the best were taken for those positions but we're not doing that anymore and so this is going to be a very very problematic issue and it is a problematic issue now and it's going to become more problematic because those individuals that were brought in for those reasons advance to much higher positions very quickly and then when that happens it's sort of an avalanche effect and um, we, we've even seen with what happened in South Africa over the last maybe 10 years or so uh, in an accelerated fashion, there's a real degradation to society there because of lack of professionalism within the government because of the government's mandated hiring practices. So this, this, is, this is happening all over the Commonwealth countries now. Oh, okay. And um, one uh, moment, one last question. Um, it was um, concerning uh, the situation of the pol yeah of the police um, in K 
Canada. For example, here in Germany, we have the we have the same problem here with that. For example, we have people under oath, the real policemen, and then we have people who are who are employees, and the people who are employees they have, um, let's say it this way, they have less moral um, character, yeah, and and they they exchange them the whole time, and uh, so that uh, so that all these. Um, yeah, penalties or all these uh, things which uh, which are not uh, right to the law can be done by these people. Is this in? Uh, is this in? Amer this is what you talked about, right? This is that the people get more employee employed, and uh, they don't have to make an, uh, any oath anymore. Is that correct? Uh no, not in Canada. In Canada, hmm? the civilians re are required to take oaths as well. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not so much for serving the public because they don't deal with the public uh, the same way police officers do. Uh, they're more administrative type positions, but they still have to take an oath of secrecy and perhaps another oath as well. So, uh, okay, that's, no, that's... We, we, I, don't, I don't see the problem that, that you're talking about in Germany there, not in Canada, okay. not yet. Well, that, that's, that's good. Thank you so much. I, I pass to Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Orbit. Vincent, thanks for being here. Um, wow, the Ministry of Truth. If that isn't out of uh, 1984, I don't know. I think it's already here. They just haven't built the building yet. Um, uh, I've seen you, you know, talk about serving people, recording it. Um, I think in America, with the sheriff, you can do public arrests. I'm just wondering... I'm uh, not as familiar as I should be with everything you're up to right now. Have is there any way to to do something with even Justin Trudeau, or I mean, to serve them, or to uh, you know, to bring? Is there any way to go quick to justice uh, because the fraud is just so outright? And like you said, everyone takes an oath to the charter, uh, you know, the charter rights in America. It's to the Constitution. So my point is, perhaps. You know, we have rights that we don't know. I know there's so much fraud that that all this stuff really is impossible. But have you made any inroads into the, in, you know, when you've served people and, um, you know, recorded it? Is that stuff that only can, you know, maybe be like at a Nuremberg trial down the road and when the dust settles? Or is there any way to get in there now? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I can maybe answer that in a two-part uh, response. So, uh, first of all, I, I spent my entire career, uh, when I started, I started in 1982. And in 1982, when I started, is the year that the Canadian Charter of Rights was enacted under our Constitution. So, you know, I, I started the first year in training understanding there's a new there's a new game in town and it's called the charter of rights and here's what it is uh, here's what the people's rights are and it's not very different than what we've already had in the past called the canadian bill of rights so the rights are the same but it was slightly restructured and i spent 32 years defending those rights and you know what you understand is don't ever violate those rights uh, not as a police officer or don't ever allow anyone else to violate anyone else's rights because we don't tolerate that. Now, 
it, it, if you violate somebody's rights, it's not a criminal offense and it's not a provincial offense, but it is an offense. And you can be taken before the Human Rights Commission Tribunal and the fines were far higher than any criminal fine that you would see or provincial fine. The fines were very high for violating people's rights. So I spent a career in, in defending those rights and I had no um, encounter uh, when it came to governments making decisions to say, let's violate people's rights. That just was unheard of until a year ago. It was just unheard of until maybe more six, seven months ago. So when these, uh, when these medical mandates come from our, our province's Ministry of Health, um, Minister of Health within the Ministry of Health, it becomes a conflict. It's uh, my oath, the Police Services Act, the Charter of Rights, the Bill of Rights, the internationally declared uh, human rights are on one side and these medical laws to issue these fines which are all violations of your rights, are on the other side. So what do you do? Well, to me, it, it, it's a no-brainer. This is just for me personally. I know what my oath says. I know what the Police Services Act says. The Police Services Act says um, that uh, we must uphold your oath, and the Police Services Act says we must uphold the Charter of Rights. So we, we have many laws in place to say don't violate people's rights. And all of a sudden, Violating people's rights is what your government wants you to do. Don't let them have religious service or gatherings. Don't let them gather in public. Don't let them protest. Um, censor them. Mainstream media, which is paid for by our federal government to bail out, um, they will dictate the terms of what should be said and what shouldn't be said already. They've been doing this for quite a while now under this current government. So, um, it, I'm, I'm certainly no professional, nor do I understand how to get out of the system of um, defending our rights because I, I've been defending the rights for 32 years. How now to defend them against your government who's violating your rights after all your training and all your time and your knowledge is defending what you're told, um, don't ever accept this, this is not acceptable. And it's a great way to play our game in life. We all, if you just look at the six of us here on the screen, you know, we have a set of rules. You can all do what you want to do as long as you don't interfere with what I'm doing. And that's essentially how our rights are written. You know, we, we can all do our thing, just don't interfere with what someone else is doing. With, the, with some exceptions, you know, with some exceptions. Um, but, but that doesn't apply anymore. So I do put my faith, I do put faith in our court system because I have seen cases in the past where people's rights have been violated on a very minor scale, very minor violation. So I'll give you an example. If a police officer arrests somebody and takes them to the station and processes them, there could be an argument raised that they weren't given their right to a lawyer uh, in the um, immediacy. They're, they're supposed to be provided with a lawyer forthwith, which means right away. So they'll question you, you know, you arrested somebody, you brought them into the station, um, but it wasn't until 40 minutes later that they were given the opportunity to speak to counsel. And they'll break down your time minute by minute. What did you do at exactly this time? And what did you do one minute later? 
And if anywhere in there, there was an opportunity for you to say, okay, now I think I should allow this person to speak with their lawyer. If they weren't allowed to be given that opportunity to speak with their lawyer soon enough, that would be considered a rights violation. You know, they didn't get to the lawyer, it took 45 minutes, they could have spoken to a lawyer within six minutes. So, um, and uh, you will lose your case. That case will get thrown out. So you learn, don't violate people's rights. This is the courts uh, deem people's rights to be paramount. It's a foundational necessity. And we don't disagree with that. At least we didn't at the, at the time. So now all of a sudden, um, we're, we're in, a, in a completely different place. And my answer to you is, um, you know, who's going to fix this or how do we get out of this? Well, a lot of cases are before the courts. Unfortunately, what I have seen in the last month or so is some of the lower courts uh, have ruled against your constitutional rights. Some of the lower courts have said, well, you know, if your government says that they don't want you to have this right right now, then you don't have it. And that's the way the court's ruling. And that is a shock because I had never heard of that before. I, would, I, I can't even believe that a judge or several judges have ruled that way. Um, one most famous one was in Alberta with Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, uh, where in his case, you know, a judge ruled that uh, you can go into his church at any time and bring as many uh, law enforcement people as you want to lay the charges anytime you want. And yet in Canada, Section 176 of the Criminal Code says you cannot disturb a church function. That's a criminal offense. So where does the judge get the authority to tell law enforcement that you can just go ahead and, you know, interfere with the church service anytime you want? That's the same as giving someone an order to say you can just go and kill people. I know that murder is a criminal offense, but I'm giving you the authority to go and do it. This is unheard of. So I, I have had faith in the courts up until the time I'm beginning to see these rulings. And I will continue to have faith in the courts as many of these cases are heading to the Supreme Court. And I can tell you that if things do not go well in the Supreme Court on the charter arguments, then we are lost as a country. Then we are completely gone. I don't see any other course of defense on those yeah. issues. Yeah. You know, um, in our circles, we know that there's a, a centuries-old systematic dumbing down of the public, uh, a systematic inversion and perversion and up, obfuscation of truth um, in every aspect of our lives that we can't see. And, um, you know, you, I think one of your first forays into this was the Adamson brisket restaurant. And, you know, even though people are indoctrinated to think it's a virtue to just obey authority blindly, which it isn't, but that's the indoctrination. Um, when 200 police officers surround a brisket restaurant, that's systematic. And even, I don't care how, you know, indoctrinated you are, you, a red flag should go up, you know, and 
you know, what scares me on all this, it doesn't scare me, but it, it's, it, I know that the people are programmed not to even see it, to just think it's normal because they've seen a movie with it. You know, they've seen some sort of preempt, you know, pre, uh, uh, whatever they call it, the programming. Um, and, you know, all I can say is like, um, I lost my train of thought, but where I was going was people need to somehow, how can we shake the public or you're not really concerned with the sleepwalkers you're just sort of concerned with you know trying to uh stop something like the ministry of truth as fast as possible and and you know hold people accountable or you know what 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 can we do to 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 shake people up and just save people i mean you know cutting off your oxygen and and uh you know there's it's just endless the 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 fraud i mean how could people not see it even if you're watching mainstream media well, I think one way you can get through to individuals, and I really don't try because the amount of effort that would be required, and uh, I think anybody that's listened to Yuri Bezmenov speak and the information that he's provided on the subversion should be an eye-opener that tells you, you know, they are not going to listen to you. They just won't believe you once it gets to a certain point. And we're seeing that. You know, we're, we're living uh, the example of that. But I would say that, you know, there are those of us who understand what's going on and there are those people who are asleep and who don't understand what's going on. But there are also quite a few people that are in the middle. They're right on the edge and they don't know. They don't know. They see something's not right, but the information that they're getting uh, is coming from mainstream media. And so they haven't discovered media sources that are really... Um, very interesting and and i really i just had my eyes open maybe seven or eight years ago um i was living in in the illusional world um that everybody else was and i discovered james corbett of the corbett report and when i started following some of james corbett information i was extremely impressed with what a forensic prevent uh, presenter he is because i understand what it's like to present in a courtroom uh, forensic um, information and so he always sources his data and then he ends it with saying listen don't believe me do your own homework I encourage you to do your own homework and so um, I started following all of his work which was all sourced uh, and very very verifiable um, and that really opened my eyes because I knew something wasn't right. Uh, I knew that we were being misled. I just really didn't have an access to source of information. And there are many, many sources out there that um, don't verify information and don't provide data. And this is where you start to hear many, many different um, conspiracy theory ideology that comes out in multiple directions. Is it all true? I, I don't think it's all true. I think some of it's true, some of it isn't true. So how do you know which of it is true and which of it isn't? It has to have verifiable information and, and source information for you to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm seeing the data here and the, the data is really supporting this. So we need to get through to those individuals. When you meet somebody like that, to provide them with some source data, some sourced information, and then a direction to go to say, here you go, follow this gentleman, follow this website, look at this information. And, you know, I strongly encourage you just, just to spend one hour of your time following this particular story. 
And once somebody falls down the rabbit hole and sees the deception, um, they themselves will want to dig. They'll be hungry and they'll dig for more information. But we can't force feed them this information. But we can we can try to spoon feed them a little bit uh, for those that have an open mind. Mm. Yeah. Before I pass you to um, Carl, the astounding ability of a government just to disregard oaths and people's rights is also seen in the fact that doctors take a Hippocratic oath not to harm their doc, not to harm their patients, and. Um, they literally in the United States, they were, t they told doctors do not treat just if someone says they have this, um, whatever is going around, uh, don't treat it. And if, and because they declared this fake, mer a fake emergency, there were all, there were many effective things that could treat it, but they weren't being used because doctors weren't allowed to use them. So I guess that was coming from top down, but doctors took an oath not to harm their patients, but they are. So it's, it's just wide scale in every aspect of every, of every part of society where oaths are being broken, people's rights are being broken, and the, the amount of, um, of disrespect for humanity is, it's unmeasurable. And, uh, you know, I guess my point is, is um, for people to realize that, you know, they're listening to people with authority figures. I mean, Fauci has 25, um, uh, degrees or honorary things that he didn't even go to school for. They were just given to him. But now he's the guy dictating to cut off your oxygen and, you know, don't talk to people and to stay inside and eat, and eat bad food that's going to, you know, hurt you. So it's, I guess I'm just speaking in frustration that this thing where the police are not, you know, there for the citizens and their public servants, as are politicians or public servants that are paid by tax money, um, it's, there's no end to it. That's my point, you know, so. Well, j just to clarify, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that every one of these individuals is involved in a conspiracy or purposefully being nefarious, but what I am saying is it, uh, it really does stem from where they get their information from. So a lot of police officers who are doing this uh, that are laying these charges, they believe they're doing the right thing because they believe that we are all super spreaders and we are all the crazy people and we should be wearing our masks and we should be staying 600 feet away from everybody else and we shouldn't be going and gathering or doing anything because we are the problem. Where are they getting that information? Well, we know where they're getting that information. And, you know, if you really want to understand, I say this to people, if you want to understand why the world is so crazy right now and, and why people think this way, why you see the lady going down the street in her convertible by herself in the car wearing a mask, why do we see this? Why is this happening? You know, don't ever forget the movie, The War of the Worlds. Actually, it wasn't the War of the Worlds. It was the uh, the Orson Welles movie. Maybe it was the, the War of the Worlds. It was a radio. No, he did a radio. The radio. Was on the show. radio. Okay, right on the radio. Right. So let's pretend we're back there in 1930, whatever it is, when he did that radio show. And what are people doing? They're sitting around the radio for entertainment and they're listening. Only this one. This is an emergency broadcast, and we're being invaded by alien creatures, and everybody's going crazy. Right. So this is the exact same thing. This is what's happening, only it's coming from your mainstream media 
it's it's um, it's on every channel on every band constantly and then you get people who have tuned into that and they say you know I'm gonna do something virtuous what am I gonna do I'm gonna do my part so if you're a member of a municipality in a council you're gonna to say to your council people let's spend money on billboard advertising about how important it is that you wear your mask and let's spend money further advertising and this just becomes a an avalanche of everybody buying into this story that they yeah. all they don't have the exact data they don't have the information but they've heard of it from enough news people that it must be true it has to be true right because it's come from all the channels and everybody's saying it so it yes. has to be true and let's get on that bandwagon and and, and, and it makes them feel good. It makes them feel virtuous because they're helping, you know, we're helping society by doing this. When in fact, the story that I have said right from the beginning is do your homework. You know, you've got to look at the other side of this. You've got to look at things like event 201, which took place a few months before. You've got to dig deeper. And then when you start sending them information, they just don't want to talk to you. And and I can tell you, I, I have, uh, whether it's a family member that doesn't want to speak to me, that thinks I might be crazy, or certain friends that you've associated with in the past, again, we've discussed this, that uh, mm. they just don't want to talk to you. And that's what's going to happen. And, and, <laughs> it's, funny, and, and, when I, and when I do present the factual data, it shuts them down and they don't want to talk. And I'd say, please, yeah. you know, stay engaged. I, I really I, I have friends do who... want... Yeah, I do want to hear your information. Please show me your information and convince me. Because if you convince me that I'm wrong, I will be much happier. I would like to be wrong. I really yeah. do. I, yeah. I, I'd like you to prove my data wrong because then I'll be in a happy place. But they won't. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just going to say one thing quick. Uh, yeah, I have friends who have cancer. I'm sort of a holistic healer. And they say, hey, I'm running for cancer. I'm running to raise money. I say, sorry, I don't, I don't support cancer research. You know, because in my circles, I know it's another fraud, another scam. So, but that's a whole nother story. But that's how far I take my truth. So, or what I believe. Yeah. In so, my truth. so if one in six, one in six people die from cancer, you'll get people wearing their COVID mask still having a cigarette. And you're yeah. going, you know, one in, one in three hundred thousand people might die from COVID, but one in six die from cancer. You're going to wear a mask to protect yourself while you're having a cigarette. You don't understand. You just don't get it. You don't see the data. It's 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 crazy. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to have you on. And I took a little bit too much time. So Carl, take go. It's you. No, and, okay. and when we're done this, uh, if anybody needs to reach out to me afterward for anything, feel free to reach out to me. I enjoy the conversation. Hi, Vincent. <clears throat> Hello. Um. Yeah. Where does one begin? I suppose. Um, yeah, just pick up on this virtuous thing. Uh, people are going around wearing the mask or saying they got the vaccination. <clears throat> and um, they're presenting that as though they're helping humanity. But it wasn't too long ago, um, it was pitched the other way, where uh, you'd be kind of greedy or selfish if you were the first one to take the vaccination. So it's, 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 it's everything is inverted very quickly. And you know, what you're saying is the way people's minds, they no longer are able to consider fact uh, or logic anymore. And, you know, the way you're talking about, you know, it's it's like a scientist, not scientism that we have now. 
you you present the facts and you go on that. Otherwise, you don't have a case. Uh, whether that's the law that's written down, how can a judge? What right does he have to you know rewrite the Constitution? Um, but for the first time, I mean, I can understand this in history of this sort of. Well, the media is a machine, and it's really a propaganda machine. And so we've seen this like historically with countries, but not on a global scale. And I suppose maybe I'll just throw out that question. What do you think personally is going on? Where do you see this leading? Do you think this is a depopulation program? Do you think it's um, you know, a total control uh, of fascist global uh, dictatorship? Or do you even think it, uh, just to pick up on what you said earlier, talking about uh, uh, the War of the Worlds, uh, do you think this is some sort of alien invasion? I mean, it's so bizarre. I have to ask bizarre questions. So what's your kind of personal take on where this might be going? Thank you. That's a very good question. Where is this going? Um, a lot of people see it going to communism. And I, you know, I do exactly as you said. I say, well, show me the data, show me the facts. I want to see the scientific proof that that's where it's going. So I, I'm not saying that that's the case, but I, I do see supportive evidence to suggest that the Chinese model, uh, the Chinese social credit score model that had been out for a while is in fact a direction that we seem to be moving in. There's no question that that we, we are morphing into that. And something that I haven't touched upon is uh, surveillance capitalism and how it plays into effect with what is going on at the same time. So yes, this is on a global scale, but we have finally reached a point within our, our lifetime that with the speed of air travel and the fact that we utilize the internet of things to uh, conduct business and have discussions and communicate, uh, instantaneously across the globe uh, now allows for this sharing of information and um, there are forces in play that have um, that have clearly stated in the past and I'm talking about very very powerful wealthy individuals that have stated in the past that um, global control global, I should say global governance, which is the same thing, global governance is in fact the main objective of the United Nations. And who is behind the United Nations? Who funded the United Nations? Who paid for the building um, on the footprint of where it stands? Well, that was the Rockefeller family. And the Rockefellers made it very clear that global governance is their intention. And uh, we're seeing evidence of that and, and in order to do so subjugation of the public across the world is very important so we are seeing moves in all countries i mean we see it a lot in australia and then new zealand and in canada and the uk of the subjugation of the population uh, of the loss of rights and it's all in the name of covid which i will say that when this first started um, based on information I saw coming prior to, to this actually coming out in the mainstream media, I saw a problem coming. And it looked like, you know, get ready, get your masks, get everything ready. Some bad virus is coming this way. And I can see it before anybody else talked about it. But then I started doing my research on masks. And I started saying, if I have an N95 mask, is that going to save me? Is that going to help me from a virus? because I'm going to want to protect myself. And then I start looking at peer-reviewed studies of mask efficacy, and I say, nope, 
paper mask isn't going to help. So a cloth mask isn't going to help. So all of a sudden, your government's telling you to wear a surgical mask. You, you, you already know. You've done your homework. You say, that's not going to help. So you start to see um, who the players are and how we elect these individuals and who our leaders are. And we have a bunch of bumbling fools across the, the globe running the world. And you think, how is that possible? How do we allow such a group of fools to run this, this world, meeting at their G7 conferences? And you seem, come, seem quickly come to realize that they're not the ones pulling the strings. A good example of that, and I'll just give one example, but there are thousands of examples of how the corporate world really pulls the strings. And uh, that was a couple of years ago back in uh, Ecuador. And there was an issue, if you're not familiar with it, it was an issue about the government's promotion about um, the benefits of breast milk. The benefits of breast milk in young infants. And there was substantial pushback from the U.S. government indicating they were going to sanction the country and uh, stop providing military assistance if they didn't get rid of those ads. And you have to ask yourself, this is about breast milk. Well, no, it was about the company providing infant formula that is a U.S. corporate interest saying, if you're going to promote breast milk, our infant formula isn't going to sell very well. And so some small company that has ability to influence the U.S. government in such a way that they can put sanctions on another country to pressure that country to stop their ads for promoting breast milk. What kind of power does Coca-Cola have? What kind of power do these, does Walmart have? What kind of power do these large corporations have if some uh, infant formula company has power to sanction another country. So you come to realize that corporate interests and the interests of those most wealthy individuals across the globe is so significant that um, once they have enough money, they don't really care about money anymore. They have enough money and they have more power than they ever thought they would have. It, then the godlike syndrome kicks in and they really want control. So I see that somebody's trying to massage this ball of putty we call a globe or a planet into their vision of, of how they want the world to be. And it is not going to be for your benefit. It is not going to be for my benefit. It is going to be for the benefit of the ultra wealthy. And we can be called a conspiracy theorist, but I can tell you that I have seen many conspiracies in my lifetime. And conspiracy is not a dirty word. Conspiracy is something that happens all the time. And if people don't believe in conspiracies uh, happening, then they just must believe in coincidences, that everything is just a coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, do you think it's just, a, <clears throat> it always strikes me as amazing that, like, like that example you gave in Ecuador, that a company could do that. And then there's the people working in that company, uh, they wanna hold their jobs. Are these people who make compromise, is it just a series of compromised decisions and people um, because of this downward flow of money. Um, I mean, that seems to be a part of it. I'm sorry, if you um, can repeat that question, the audio was cutting out a bit. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm just wondering if it's, if, 
you know, in, in simple terms, you could you could say that it's just um, a, a compromised people in their job positions in these companies who allow this to happen. There's no sort of stop gaps. Nobody's standing up anymore and saying, no, this is unethical. Um, there might be some, but they get silenced or they get fired. And, and uh, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's totalitarianism on, within companies, the way they treat their employees. And it's the ability to censor. Now it's happening on a global scale. Um, so I was going to ask you if, if that's all, if I'm probably asking myself if that's all it is, but, you know, every day I, I, I wake up and I find something more bizarre and more frightening and more extreme than I could have imagined. Um, like recently I came, you know, as regards to what's going on, where is this all leading? Um, I came across a paper 2019 and it was talking about a thing called neural nano robotics. And this is where they inject. One of the ways is to inject nanoparticles into the body. And these, these nanoparticles are actually robots. And there's the, uh, the endobot, the synaptobot, and the gliobot. And they're so small that they're able to go into the brain and auto-position themselves at the nerve endings, at the neurons and the axons. And they call it a neural lace, which wraps around the brain. And this is to wirelessly transmit out all the information of the data. And the reason for and and the reason for this is is to augment virtual reality, to allow people to go into this synthetic world, because they're they're actually right now as if they're able to do this, they're able to see how the mind thinks, put it in the cloud, but then the cloud can change that and then download it. And one of the applications was is where if everybody who has this ability, this up technological upgrade and connection to the cloud, that one person can enter into the, see life through the eyes of another person. It's, I uh, forget the exact term, some sort of shadowing. And the other person is called a spatial host and they may be paid for this. And I'm going, and what, and what allows this to happen is 5G. So all these little bits come together. This is written before any of this COVID stuff. But to me, that's just so bizarre. Um, and of course, they do it under the name of helping people with Alzheimer's and dementia. But also, the real thrust is for VR, augmented reality, um, and to control one's mind. Because they not only can you, they up, you upload your information to the cloud, they could download information to you. So you could have a perceptive experience of hell, should they so wish. You know, so I'm really throwing something out there. So uh, this is only in the last few days. So the way I see it, it's, it's, it's more than just sort of compromised people or greedy people. There's something more sinister going on. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you're obviously have, have woken up and, 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 and you go along with the data and the facts and you have, seem to have a good instinct. So I'm trying to get perhaps what, what you feel. Do you, do you feel that um, it is so sinister um, and do you have any hope for humanity? 
Well, there are a number of motivating factors for humans and fear is a very big one. But um, we all have a number of motivating factors or everybody would at least have one uh, that if somebody tuned into could motivate you quite well. And this is something that is even used in policing in um, obtaining statements from individuals, you know, find out what somebody's motivating factor is and then work around that to extract information and, and get people to do what you want them to do is, is another way you know, when you tap into motivating factors. So fear is a very strong motivating factor to uh, control a population. Money and wealth is a strong motivating factor. Uh, a promotional position or an offered position in some lucrative facility is another motivating factor. I mean, we have become very, very narcissistic within society. Uh, society as a whole has, has sort of morphed into a narcissistic, you know, I just care about myself. It's all about me and I don't care about anybody else. I don't care about the world. So we're very easy now to be manipulated and to be purchased um, when the right motivating factor comes along. So that being said, um, it's something to consider. I also look at something like Agenda 20, and most people don't understand what Agenda 2030 is. I think probably most of you here do. Um, you know, just ask people, do you know what Agenda 2030 is? And it comes right from the United Nations. And when we have 8 billion people on this planet, and the goal of Agenda 2030, there are all kinds of crazy goals, but one of them is, uh, you know, a population, a sustainable population of 500 million. What do we do with 7.5 million people? Where, where do they go? What do we do with them by 2030? Has anybody answered that question? But for some strange reason, everybody gets vaccinated on some RNA experimental vaccine that hasn't been proven that, um, you know, when they tried something like this back in 2005 with SARS, I think it was a thousand people had an adverse reaction, they immediately pulled that scientific experimentation of the vaccine. Now we're seeing far more uh, injury mechanisms and deaths coming from this vaccine. And it's being heavily promoted to people at age 12. You don't need your parents' permission. Come on in. We'll give you a free ice cream if you get vaccinated. It's experimental, but it's great. And you know, everybody wants to take it so they can fly, so they can travel again. Only if you take it, it's not going to prevent you from getting the virus and it's not going to prevent you from spreading the virus. And it's going to minimize one symptom, possibly at a 93% or 95% efficiency on minimizing one symptom. What good is it? Why do you want it? It does nothing but cause you harm. It's experimental, hasn't been proven to be effective whatsoever. And why is there's such a tremendous push correlation between that and agenda 2030 i don't know i don't have the proof behind that i can't say but there are far more questions than there are answers and our government is not prepared to answer any of those questions yeah i mean <clears throat> yeah where 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 does it go from here I, to, to me it just it looks it looks it looks rather bleak because you can read agenda 2030 or the deagle report uh, and it, it predicts all, you know, uh, a massive depopulation. And, you know, years ago, I was wondering, you know, when I was a kid, I used to see all these population graphs that go up exponentially. You don't, then I didn't see them anymore. And, uh, you know, 
that's because they want to stop that. They need to control that. I mean, sometimes I try to imagine myself as a super wealthy person and, you know, what can I do to influence the world? Well, there's too many people, too many useless eaters to, uh, to quote some, some past eugenicists. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's out there, it's on the table, but I think people are just too frightened to see it. I mean, even, you know, when I saw things like these, these, um, these protests to defund the police, I mean, that is just a total inversion. It's totally ludicrous. If anything, you're going to re if there's a problem, you train the police or replace every policeman, but you don't get rid of the whole organization. I mean, everything seems to be in one's face as though we're going to keep pushing it until you wake up. And sometimes I think that those who don't wake up are destined to perish simply by their uh, belief in survival of the fittest. And if you're that stupid, uh, you deserve it. Um, and I wish I could wake people up. Um, so if you could comment on that, because I, I don't know if I'm going anywhere with the particular question. It's just sort of a heartfelt thing. And, and just the way every day, it's the stress of taking all this information on board. Um, how do you, how do you deal with it every day? Um, I, I will tell you this, I found, um, in one of my first addresses to a large group of people uh, in downtown Toronto when I was speaking at one of the largest protests that were down there back in the fall, um, I had made a comment, and I stand by that comment that I made, about um, getting your information out there, speaking to truth, being aware of what is happening, of the aware of what's uh, most bad some of it uh, we're going in uh, different directions of either um, a downhill uh, descent from lots of our rights and pastors being put in jail impressions being put in jail to um, people coming forward in the medical community and other scientists bringing forward very important information that we need to know that is surfacing and so it's important to discuss this. It's important to be aware of it. But I'm going to say that each and every one of us needs to walk this tightrope. And it is a tightrope. We, we have to balance on this tightrope. The need to be aware of the information coming forward, to speak about that information, to pass on that information, to get it out to people, while at the same time not falling into despair and not feeling that it's helpless, it's hopeless, it's over, we're going to be overrun, we have no choice, it's going to be doom and gloom. And sometimes it, it appears that way. We cannot allow ourselves to think that. Yeah, we don't have the luxury to think that. If you're going to be a soldier in this fight, you need to stay in for the long game. And in order to stay for the long game, your mental health is the most important thing that has to stay in check. Because once you fall into despair and you lose it, or you go into depression, you may never pull out. And things will look very bleak, and then you'll see the suicide rate go up. And it already has, exponentially. So, you know, it's one thing to pound on the information and be aware of the information. But you need to, just like doing exercise and eating healthy, you need to do your mental push-ups every day. 
You need to keep your mind sharp because you cannot, we cannot allow ourselves to fall into despair. We can't, or we're lost. Yeah, we'll absolutely. absolutely. That, that's, that's excellent advice. Even as you were saying it, it's, you know, I find the antidote to this is just to stand strong and speak your truth regardless, because it gives you a sense of, of sobriety. And that also helps the mental state. And so, you know, I'm in it for the long run, regardless, I see the truth. Um, so that's it. I'll take it, whatever it is. Um, so that gives me peace knowing that I've made that decision of where I stand. Uh, thank you very much, Vincent. I'm going to pass you on to uh, Grace. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Vincent. And thank you for our audience. And so if you like this, please share. And if there's anything more that uh, any of the panel wants to, if there's another pressing question, I'll give them another chance or else we'll give it to Vincent for his last words of wisdom. I'd, I'd like to just say something quick about the uh, pastors. I think there were three in Canada that went to prison, but the New World Order is, you know, about, you know, one religion and, and um, it's just sort of that alone is just sort of an obvious thing where they're just trying to destroy all the different religions. They're trying to destroy history. They want basically a homogenous society that is indoctrinated by the state with no history, no culture, no different languages. They want one leader. So it may seem small, but when they are stopping people, of, you know, pastors from, you know, people congregating in a church for something that has a 99.8% survival rate and the death rates haven't even gone up if you look at the data. That right there shows that that's part of the agenda to create one religion for the whole world in my eyes. That's all, I just wanted to add that. Thank you, Steve, and thank you everyone. And Vincent, thank you so much. The police officers, it, they're close to my heart because I have a half brother who was a police officer. And when there was a lot of unrest in the Philippines during the martial law time, and he knows that where, where we stand. And of course he was on the police officer's stand as well, but he would protect us by telling us, especially when they were searching for my sister and me. So he would, he would warn us don't come home tonight or don't come home. Don't let your sister come home. So my sister never came home for over a year. So that was how he was able to, uh, to help, you know, do some, be a change maker, even if when he was in the police of, as a police officer. So Vincent, any more information you want to share? And I know that we have to tell the audience that if they have questions to reach out to us. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think we've covered everything. And if I can just leave you with a few words of uh, hope, it's just know the wolves that hunt you because in time, they'll be the dogs that bring you your slippers. Mm, I like that. So thank you. Very good. And take care of yourselves. And here. Thank you for everything. It's a pleasure again to, yeah, to have you here on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Vincent. Thank you. Feel free to reach out anytime.